begin today looking at forgiveness, being forgiving, being forgiven, and forgiving as we go through this morning and over the next several weeks. I uh, want to look today at that forgiveness is a duty, and so what's a duty and what do we mean by that, and so we just want to take a look, but we need to go back on the second uh, Sunday in April, we go back to there, because we began then talking about anger. And we looked at this verse uh, then, and we've been looking at it since. In your anger, do not sin. God does want us to get angry. There are things we ought to get, ang- get angry about. When we look at the world in which we live, and we see sin and disobedience and rebellion, rebellion against God, we ought to get angry about it. But then as he says, make sure that if we get angry about the sin, that we don't let it go down while we're, we don't let the sun go down while we're still angry. We don't hold on to the anger. We don't keep the anger. We don't uh, harbor their anger. Because if we do, then we're going to give the devil the foothold. We're going to allow him to get involved in our anger, and he's going to make us justify it and say, hey, it's okay to be angry and stay angry because you have a right to. So then we saw that we didn't get rid of the anger. We let the sun go down while we're still angry, and we let the devil get a foothold. Then what happens is the anger turns into bitterness. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Because if we let the anger stay, we give Satan a foothold, anger becomes bitterness, and then a bitter root grows up within us. And we become bitter about something or somebody or something that happened. And then we begin to cause trouble and we begin to defile many around us because now we get into this thing about bitterness that we get this rage, we get this anger, we get this brawling, we get this slander, we get this malice going on within us, and then people around us are thinking, what's wrong with you? I didn't say, say anything. I didn't do anything. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you hollering at me? What's going on here? It's got to do with that anger that started and Satan got a foothold and came bitterness, a bitter root came up, and then we take on these traits of bitterness of rage, anger, anger brawling, slander, and malice. So we saw the solution to all that a couple of weeks ago, went through it, and so to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. But what if we don't let that happen? What if we let the anger stay? What if we got angry, and maybe it was last week, Last month, last year, 10 years ago that we got angry, and we're still angry today about it, whatever it was, then what happened, we let Satan hang around with it, and we let him get a foothold, and we let it stay within our life, and now today we got bitter about it. And so as we got bitter about it, we let that bitter root grow up, and it's still here today. And then we have that brawling and that slander and and all the other that goes with it. All because we got angry about something a long time ago, or yesterday, or last week, or last month, and we simply let it stay. And so what we did then, and let's assume that's our heart, let's consider that being our heart. When we got anger, something happened, something came within us, and it stayed there. So let me just put a notebook, or no, it's, it's better, we can see it better, can't we? Here's something that came into our life from anger. We let it stay. <clears throat> we let Satan get a foothold. And we got bitterness as a result of it. So how do we get rid of it? What do we do now? What do we do about this thing called unforgiveness? Because now we're harboring something against somebody that they did something to us. Now we got the anger and bitterness as a result of what they did, isn't it? We blame them for what happened. I want to look this morning at forgiveness being a duty. And we start in Luke chapter 17, which is where we'll be all the morning, where Jesus said to his disciples, those following Jesus, he said this to them, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. 
And so there's things that are going to come into our life that people are going to say, people are going to do, and it's going to make us angry. Has anybody ever said anything to you that made you angry? Anybody? Okay. Several hands. Not very many of you. That's good. Has anybody ever done anything to you that made you angry? Okay. Four or five or six. Not very many. That's good. Most of you didn't have anything happen like that. And so when something is said or something is done that makes us angry, then we begin to blame them later on. Well, why, is, why are we still angry about it? It's been a month. It's been a year. It's been 10 years. Why are we still angry today? Because what they said. Because what they did. And so that's bound to come into our life. Things that cause, that lead us to sin, that tempt us to sin, it's going to come into our life. We're all going to be tempted to get angry, to get bitter, let anger stay, let Satan get a foothold. We're all going to be tempted in that way. Because we want to think about things. We want to remember things. We want to say, hey, I know what you did. Remember what you did. You know, look back and all this. And so it stays there. That's bound to come into our life. Temptation, the confrontation with sin is bound to come to our lives at some point in time. If it didn't happen last week, it may happen this week. But woe to that person that it comes through or comes into our life to. Woe to that person. What does that word woe mean? Not talking about a horse now. Woe horse. We're talking about an intense hardship. We're talking about some kind of distress. We're talking about some kind of disaster or suffering. And so he's saying there, woe to that person through whom this comes. That person's going to have intense hardship. That person's going to have distress. That person's going to have disaster and suffering because they brought temptation into your life. They brought something into your life that you didn't intend to have come into my life. How did it get there? They brought it in. And so woe to them that bring that to us, whatever it may be. So he's saying, let's, let's back it up then. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person, that suffering, that hardship is going to come on them through, what, through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause, lead one of these little ones to sin. That person that brings sin into our life, that brings temptation into our life, that tempts us to sin, that leads us to sin, woe to that person, distress and suffering is coming to them, and it would be better for them to have a millstone, a big giant rock that they would grind up corn and make meal into in that day and time. It would be better to have this rock tied around their neck, thrown into the sea and drowned than for them to cause one of these little ones to sin. That's how serious God takes temptation, people tempting others, people misleading others, people pointing people in the wrong direction, bringing sin into our lives. That's how serious God feels about it. And it'd be better for that to happen to that person than for them to bring temptation and sin into the life of one of these little ones. Little ones meaning who? Little ones could be a child, simply a child. Uh, many times Jesus spoke of these little ones, bring the little ones to me, this sort of thing. And so often he was talking about children. And so when somebody misleads or misguides or misdirects a child in the wrong direction, then woe to the person that brings that to that child. But also it's talking about an immature Christian. Somebody that's been a Christian maybe for a while, but they're just not growing and maturing and developing in their life like they should. Then something comes along and misleads them because they're not stable. They're not steady in their faith. Then God says, woe to that person that brings that in there. So it'd be better for them to have a millstone tied around the neck than lead an immature Christian in the wrong direction. Or simply a weak Christian. Maybe there's a weakness in that Christian's life that they haven't overcome yet, they haven't conquered yet, and there's a weakness there. And somebody brings that temptation into the life where that weakness is, and they mislead them, misguide them, takes them in the wrong direction. They said it would be better to have the millstone tied around the neck than for them to have done that. 
or simply a new Christian, somebody who's been born again, just got saved, uh, aren't in the uh, the growth spat, spat that you are. They're not growing like you are uh, because they just got saved and, and they they're don't know much about God's Word and, and what He says here and what to do, what not to do. And so then comes that misleading, that misguiding, that temptation coming to them. And God says, be better to have a millstone tied around the neck than be misled as a new Christian by that other person. So, let's back it up, start over. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It'd be better for him to have be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around, tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So, Watch yourselves, be careful, be alert. If your brother sins, another Christian sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back and says to you, I repent, you forgive him. We're talking about two things here then. We're talking about repentance, we're talking about forgiveness. And what we're looking at today for ourselves is being able to forgive because Maybe sometime last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, whenever it was, somebody misled us, misdirected us, tempted us, and we got angry about it. The anger stayed. We let Satan get a foothold. The anger stayed. We let bitter a bitter root come up. Anger stayed. And now we have this rage and this brawling and this slander, this stuff going on in our minds all the time, and we're not forgiving the person that brought it to us. So he's saying... If somebody repents seven times in a day, we're forgiving. So what is this rebuke about? If your brother sins, rebuke him. What does that simply mean? Express a strong disapproval to someone. If you know somebody that's involved in sin and you're able to talk to them about their sin, the rebuking is simply saying, you know, what you're doing right now goes against God's Word. What you're getting involved in right now goes against God's will. How you're living right now goes against God's ways. And you need to repent of that. You need to come out of that. And so however, however way we talk to them about that, we're simply saying they're going in the wrong direction. they got sin in their life. And God says, here's what you need to do about it. And we begin to rebuke them. We begin to speak strong disappro- disapproval of what they're doing, not on our opinion, not on our thoughts, not on what we heard, but on what God says, what God is saying to us in his word, here's what that person is doing. We're trying to talk to them about that to bring them out of it and make things right, you see. So he says, if we find that brother that's sinning, we rebuke him. And if he repents, I need to make sure we understand the word repent. Repent, it's a long definition, but I had to get it all in there. Repent means change our way of life, our lifestyle, the way we're living, the way we're acting, the way we're talking, the way we're living life. It's a way of, it's a change in the way of life resulting from a complete change of thought and attitude and righteousness regarding sin and righteousness. So what happens is a thought process changes. Let's say we enjoy something sinful. There's something in life that we enjoy. And then one day we repent of it, meaning we turn from it. So we leave it alone. We drop it. We put it down, ask God to forgive us of it. And so we leave it there. But it also considers our thought process. We used to think doing this sinful act, doing this sinful way, living this sinful lifestyle, we used to think that it was fun. We used to think it was good. I mean, I can go back before I got saved, and I remember a lot of things I thought was really good at that time. And now I realize it wasn't. 
because of what God says and how God changed my life. And so it changes our thought process. We used to think something was good. We used to think something was enjoyable. We used to think we liked that, whatever that was. We're going toward it, going in that direction. But now we're, think, we're changing our thinking process. I don't think that's good anymore. I don't think that helps me anymore. I don't think that's good for me anymore. I don't think I want to be involved in that anymore. See, our thought process changes. But also our attitude about it. Attitude was, well, it's not that bad. I mean, I see people doing a whole lot worse things than I do. And so that's kind of the way I was. You know, I was doing pretty, pretty bad. I mean, I was <laughs> maybe not at the top of the list, but I was close. And so I would justify that. Well, I'm not as bad as this one over here. I don't do all the things they do. And so our attitude begins to say, well, I can justify it. I can make it right. I think it's okay. I'm not worried about it. I'm not hurting anybody with it. You know, those kind of things. And so then our attitude totally changes because our thought process changed. And attitude says, wait, it's wrong because God says it's wrong. We need to leave it alone because God says to leave it alone. And so our whole thought process and our whole attitude about that, whatever that is, that sin, changes. And as a result of that, we turn from it and walk away from it, and we walk toward Jesus, finding that forgiveness and finding that fullness that comes within us as a result of following Him and not that. You see what I'm saying? So repentance is long. It's changing our way of life. Our whole lifestyle changes. Our whole way of life changes because we're, we had a complete thought process change. We had an attitude change. We saw what sin really is and what sin really is, and then we saw what righteousness really is. We saw what holiness really is. Really is. We saw what Jesus has for us, and we said we want this instead of that. And we laid it down, we walked away from it, and we're following God's Word and God's will now. And so our whole life changes as a result. Bottom line, it simply means turning. I'm turning from something, sin. I'm turning to something, Jesus, and I'm walking toward Him rather than walking in the other direction. So, let's go back. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Stand in disapproval of how they're living. And if they repent, they change their way of life as a result of changing their thought and attitude about sin and righteousness, then what do you do? You forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, you forgive him. Well, the apostles said to the Lord, you're going to have to increase our faith. <laughs> One time, okay. If they hurt my feelings, if they do something to me and they come back and say, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. Would you forgive me? I shouldn't have said that. shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. You know, would you forgive me? Okay, I'll do it. But he's saying seven times in a day they come back and say, I repent and you forgive them. That's when the disciples said, you got to increase your faith. We're going to need more faith if we're going to do something like that. We can do something once. We might could even do it twice, but seven times in a day, we can't do that. It's simply impossible. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the willingness. We don't have the ability to forgive somebody seven times in a day. You got to increase our faith. We got faith, but we don't have enough. We got to increase it. You got, you got to give us more. What is faith anyway? Faith is belief. You find that word a lot in the Bible. Believe or belief. Same thing as faith. You see the word trust, you see the word reliance and confidence, and see the conviction of the truth, meaning I have faith because I'm convicted by the truth. I know what truth is compared to what the world says. 
I'm convicted about what truth is, and I follow this in faith. And so faith says, I have trust, I have reliance, I have dependence, I have belief in Jesus, and I don't need more, I just need it. Everybody got a little card, I think. Look hard, says faith at the top. Faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. A mouthful. I know. You're going to have to think on that a little bit. That's why you got the card. I've got one. Drew Spillers made them up, or Phyllis, I think, actually did it. Drew got the credit, but Phyllis, I think, did it. And so she, she redid them last night again so that you would have these today because of what we're talking about. And I had one from the previous time I gave them out. I got it on my desk. And so when I was looking, just kind of glancing back over the notes last night, looking at this morning, I saw this and I said, wait, I need some more of these for you to have some. So I called, they put it together, and here they are. So it's a tongue twister. Take some thought. Think about what it's really saying. But then look, let's look at the bottom too. Your faith must always be directly tied to an action done in response to a revealed truth. Otherwise, it's not faith. And so what the disciples were saying here is that we need more faith. We, we, just, we just don't have enough. We need some more. And, and Jesus simply saying, no, you, you got to know if you got, you got this belief, don't you? You have this trust in me, don't you? You have this reliance in me, don't you? Don't, you know, we got, you got to increase our faith. We need more trust, more reliance, more confidence. We either have it or we don't. Today, we're either trusting Jesus or we're not. We're either relying on him or we're not. We're either dependent on him or we're not. We either have a relationship with him or we don't. And so that's where this comes in here that, it's always done in direct, always be directly tied to an action done in response to reveal truth. And so what Jesus was saying to them, your faith is going to be put into action by what you do by forgiving this other person. Or where's the faith at? By having faith, we're trusting Jesus. Jesus, you don't know what they did to me. Way back here, they did something to me and I got very angry about it. They said something to me, and I got very angry about it. Not only that, but I was still angry the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And Satan says, good, I'm going to come in there, and I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to make this a place that gives me an opportunity to stay and just harbor this and hold on to this, and, and therefore a bitter root comes up, and we stay, it stays there, and we get bitter over time, and then all that other comes out of there, that rage and that slander and everything comes out of that, and there we are today then with that bitterness. It started out one day, one event, one thing was said, one thing was done, anger started. And now Jesus comes along and says, wait, hold on. <laughs> you need to forgive that person. We're going to have to give me a whole lot more faith than what i got right now. You don't know what they said or what they did. This has been going on a long time. And he says, no, you either got faith or you don't got faith. I know that wasn't good English. But faith says, I'm carrying out what God wants me to do in action to do it, to put my faith into action, say, Lord, okay, I believe in you. I trust you. I have reliance on you and the confidence in you and this conviction of the truth in you over what happened maybe days, weeks, months, or even years ago that I need to forgive that person for it as a result of how I'm feeling about it. It doesn't have anything to do with them. Because watch this. Hold on. Let's, let's carry this on out. 
So he gives an example of it. He's, they said, increase our faith. And, uh, well, let's go back. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the small berry tree, be uprooted, plant in the sea, and it will obey you. So Jesus is saying, no, it's not a matter of more faith. If you got faith as small as a mustard seed, that's all you got. That's all you need. You don't need any more. Faith is simply belief, trust, reliance, confidence in God. So he gives us an example. He says, hold on, let me just help you understand then and now. He says, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. You know, you, you have people working for you and you got a bunch of crops out there. You got a bunch of sheep out there and you got one of your servants out there that's working for you and they're plowing the ground and they're feeding the sheep. Okay. What he say to the servant when he comes in from, from the field, come along now, sit down and eat. You're the owner, you're the employer, and this servant's through plowing and through feeding the sheep, and you're getting ready to sit down to your meal that's being served to you, and are you going to tell that servant, hey, come on over here and eat with me? Well, he said, no, you wouldn't. What do you not rather say, prepare my supper, servant, you're preparing, you work for me, you prepare my supper, supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that, you can eat and drink. See, your job's not done yet. You're not through working today yet. You still got some more work to do. You still got to cook my supper, uh, wait for me to get through eating. Then when I get through eating, you can eat. See, the job wasn't completed until the master or the owner had his supper. See the story? What do you think? What do you think the servant? Because he did what he's told to do. You know, a lot of times employers will thank an employee for a job they did. But the thanks that comes from the employer to the employee is that paycheck on Friday. <laughs> That's the thanks they get for the job they did. They didn't do anything extra. They didn't do anything more. They simply put in their hours. They did, did their work. And so the paycheck reflects what they get. We don't have to get a thank you, do we, when we do a job? If we're punching the clock, so to speak, and we're doing our job, we're doing our duty, and we get Friday, it comes around, and we get a paycheck for it. That's what we're supposed to get because we put in the hours during the week, we get a paycheck. And the boss doesn't have to stand there, shake everybody's hands to come back, come through picking up their paycheck. Thank you for working this week. Thank you for working this week. Thank you for working this week. You don't have to do that. Paychecks, the thank, the thanks, you see. And so he's saying, would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? You were told to plow, feed the sheep, fix my supper, wait on me to feed my supper, give him my supper. And now you can eat. Thank you for doing all that today. It's his job. So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. So he's saying to the disciples, if somebody sins against you, rebuke him for it. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins seven times in a day, comes back, I repent, you're forgiving. And so as he tells the story then, we're only unworthy servants. We've just done our duty. So you see, forgiveness isn't going above and beyond the call of duty in Christianity. It's just doing our duty. We're just doing our job. We're just doing what we're called to do. We're doing what we're commanded to do. We're doing what we're led to do. And so when that anger comes because somebody brought that to us and we got angry at them for what they said or what they did, and it stays there, and then we later forgive them, we hadn't done anything special. We just did our duty. 
We did what God told us to do. So when he says there we're unworthy servants, we've only done our duty, what does the word duty mean? Duty means, duty means to be an under, under an obligation to make a payment on a loan. Just pay back a loan. Imagine this morning, <clears throat> for an example, I need $10. And I go to Bubba and I say, can I borrow $10? Borrow now, not give it to me, just borrow it. Bubba, can I borrow $10? And he says, sure. Here's $10. He's got all in one, so let's say. Hands me $10. And so I say, thank you, and, and I walk away. He says, wait a minute. Because <laughs> he doesn't trust me. He says, when are you going to pay it back? I said, well, I'll pay you back $1 a week. So if I borrowed $10 from him, I'm going to pay him back $1 a week. How long is it going to take me to pay back? Ten weeks. Ten weeks. So he says, okay, hold on, wait, I'm not done yet. Say, I don't trust you. You say you're going to pay back $1 a week. Let's get into writing. You agree to pay me back $1 a week for 10 weeks until it's all paid off. Okay, yeah. All right, now sign it. <laughs> so you don't trust me. So he's going to make sure I know to pay him back $1 a week. I'm going to do it every week for 10 weeks. And I got signed. I got it in writing. So now he's got something to stand on, you see, legally. So I walk away. Next week comes around, I give him a dollar. Two weeks come around, give him a dollar. Three, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks come around. On that sixth week, I go to, I, I ain't got a dollar this week to pay you back. We got it in writing here, you can pay me back a dollar a week. Period. I mean, it's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what you can do. Well, I ain't got it this week. Or are you going to have to add something to it? Or are you going to have to pay me back $2 next week or something? Okay, I'll do $2 next week. And so you work out that agreement. So you pay back $10 in 10 weeks. So that's the way the agreement was set up. It's a duty. It's an obligation. It's like going to the bank. Go to the bank. I need some money to borrow. I need to borrow some money to go buy a car. How much do you need? Oh, about, I don't know, how much car nowadays? 50000 Okay. I need $50,000 to go buy a new car. Okay, here it is. Now, we're going to set you up on payments, and every month you're going to pay about, I don't know, what, $800 a month? <laughs> and until you pay it out, and case closed, okay, I'll pay it back every month, every month, every month. Then one day, I can't pay this month. Well, I'll give you a month, okay. You're going to owe two payments now. And we keep doing it and keep putting it off, keep putting it off. Some One day they're going to say, okay, here's the deal. We're going to come get your car. Since you're not paying it back, we're coming to get your car. Wait a minute, hold on. It's a duty. I had an obligation to make a payment on a loan. So when Jesus comes along and says, we're only unworthy servants, we have only done our duty, we're under obligation to make a payment on a loan, meaning Jesus, <clears throat> they said something a long time ago. I got angry about it. They did something a long time ago, and I got angry about it. And that anger stayed, and it got a foothold, Satan got involved, therefore I began to justify it, say that it's right in my mind to do what I feel like I'm feeling. Bitterness grew up, reader bitterness came up, and then I began to get angry and mad about it all the time, just always exploded on other people because I was always so angry, wasn't mad at them, just angry inside. And now here I am, and you mean it's just a duty <laughs> to forgive the person? You mean I'm not just going above and beyond the call of duty and doing something great and wonderful to forgive them for what they said to me or did to me years ago? Mm -mm. You're just fulfilling a duty. You're just doing what I commanded you to do. So there's one word we hadn't identified this morning yet, and that word's forgive. Forgive simply means this, to remove the guilt, 
resulting from some wrongdoing by another person. So what we've been doing, maybe for years, what they said, what they did, I got angry, anger stayed, Satan got a foothold, he got his foot in the door, I got bitter, now I'm bitter about it today, I, I blow up at people, I get angry at people around me for no good reason, and the slander comes and the words come and temper blows and all those sort of things happen. Why? Because something that was said or done to me years ago maybe. And so if I'm going to forgive them, what I'm doing is forgiving them of the guilt and holding them guilty for me being mad. See, it's their fault that I'm angry. It's their fault that this anger stayed this length of time. It's their fault that Satan got a foothold in my life. It's their fault that I'm bitter and let a bitter root grow up. It's their fault that I get mad, angry, say ugly things, say mean things, and, and blow my top and lose my uh, temper and blow a fuse and all that sort of thing. And, and not at the person that did it all the time, but just anybody around me. Because the anger's all in my life, you see. You see how that works? And so what we've got to be able to do, the forgiveness is forgiving them of the guilt. We don't hold them guilty for me being mad. We remove, we wipe it out, we blot it out, the guilt of the wrongdoing. What they did was wrong, what they said was wrong. But I'm removing the guilt from them because it's not their fault that I'm still mad about something 10 years later. It's my fault. That's why Jesus said way back up there when we first started, but watch yourself. Watch yourselves. <laughs> if your brother sins, rebuking, if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. And so we've got to watch ourselves because if we don't do that, that's what's going to happen. We're going to get angry. We're going to get bitter. We're going to say we deserve it. We should be angry. We should be bitter because of what they said, what they did. And then here we are years later, anger and bitterness all up in us, and we're holding them guilty for it. See, the event of the wrongdoing is not undone. What they said, what they did, it's not undone. We, we can't undo that. Whatever history shows us, I know America's trying to undo all kind of history. I, I get that. You can't undo history. If somebody shot somebody five years ago, I mean, they were shot. <laughs> I mean, they got the bullet in the leg, still prove it. And we can't undo it. But we can undo the guilt of it. The event of the wrongdoing is not undone. It's the guilt of the wrongdoing that's removed. Do you see what we're talking about? Whatever that person said, whatever that person did, whether it's last month, last week, last year, 10 years ago, whatever it was, we can't undo that, okay? It happened. But we can undo the, holding them guilty for us being angry and bitter and slanderous and saying things that we shouldn't say and doing things we shouldn't say and blaming them for it. You know, you're at work one day and you blow up at work and something happens and you, you say ugly things to the boss or the coworker, and they're <laughs> where'd that come from? Well, because I got mad 10 years ago at, you know, and tell this long story, that didn't have anything to do with me. And we're blaming somebody else for our anger and our bitterness. So we're removing the guilt from them, placing the guilt on us 
and saying, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm angry today because I made a decision to stay angry. I'm angry today because I let, let the anger stay and let Satan get a foothold and I became bitter over it. I let a bitter root grow up in my life because I got angry and stayed angry. And it's me, isn't it? There's a list of emotional pain words in the back and we gave them out, I don't know how many months ago now. Emotional pain words. And I've handed this out to people that I've counseled with before and asked if there's any emotional pain words that they see, like, you know, do you feel like you always do wrong? Do you feel angry? Do you feel betrayed or confused or defeated or uh, insecure or, or powerless or neglected or left out? Yeah, all those words that we get in our life sometimes. We just feel this stuff, feel this stuff, and that's why we do what we do. And sometimes I've had people look at it and read through it. Yeah, the whole, whole list, everything on the list, that's me. And so what happens is we get all this stuff going on in our life because something happened way back here, and then we get involved in a setting with people around us doing something, and nobody's got anything to do with what happened there, and all of a sudden we just we lose it. We blow up. How come? Back here. Not what's happening right here, right now, because we've got pain in our life that we're blaming somebody else over here that brought this into our life and it wasn't their fault. It's ours that we got angry, we stayed angry, we're still angry, and we're bitter over it. And Jesus comes along and says, you got to release them. you got to forgive them. It's your duty. It's what we're supposed to do. So the event of the wrongdoing is not undone, but the guilt is removed from the person. So we no longer hold the person guilty for our anger, our bitterness, and our unforgiveness. So many times we blame the other person. You know why I'm angry today? Well, I'll tell you why I'm angry. This, this, and this happened. You said this and you said that. Or, or we're telling somebody else, they said this or they did that. And that's why I'm angry today. We're angry because of us. Anger to bitterness, unforgiveness. And the only cure for that is forgiveness. Forgiving them of the guilt, holding them guilty for us being angry, bitter, and unforgiving. See, the focus of forgiveness is on the guilt of what happened, on the guilt of the wrongdoing, not on the wrongdoing itself. Because you can't undo it. If somebody shot you in the foot, you got shot in the foot. <laughs> you can't undo that. You can't have anybody say, I'm sorry. You can't take that bullet out of your foot now. You know, it's there. You, you know, you can't undo the wrongdoing. It's done. But we can undo the guilt. Holding somebody guilty for us being angry, mad, upset. So forgiveness is simply our duty, our obligation, in obedience to God. Because God comes along and says, forgive them. If it's seven times in a day, forgive them seven times in that day. Don't hold them guilty for you getting angry, mad, upset, distraught, whatever word you want to use, bitter, maybe for days, weeks, months, and even years. Look at our life and say, Lord, why do I, get, why do I lose my temper so easy? Why do I get so upset so easy? Why do I say ugly words to people all the time? Why do I mistreat people? Why do I blow up on people? Why do I, you know, all these kinds of, why, 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 why? Oh, I know. <laughs> I remember it started way back there when they did this. And they, no, <laughs> it started right here with us. We got angry, 
stayed angry, became bitter, and that's why we do what we do today. And so we hold them guiltless. Forgiveness is our duty, our obligation in obedience to God. We forgive the person of the guilt. We don't hold them guilty for our anger. Therefore, for us to say we're unable to forgive the guilt of someone for what they did or said, it's a, I'm not going to obey Jesus. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to hold on to it. I got a lot of emotional pain words going on in my life. Yeah, I feel uh, condemned and I feel frustrated and I feel frightened and I feel embarrassed and I feel uh, discarded and disappointed and isolated and knocked down, neglected and pressured. And I feel a lot of these words. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Because what they did or what they said 10 years ago, 12 years ago or yesterday. And yet it's not them (laughs) that's causing our anger today. It's us. And so I say, I'm just not going to do it. I will not forgive them for what they did or said. Then we're saying, Jesus, I'm not going to obey you. I'm just not going to do what you're telling me to do. So, where are we today? When we find God's Word, and when when we read God's Word, let's back up. When we read God's Word, we need to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Not just, Lord, what are you saying, you know, in the words, but what are you saying to me? As I read Luke or Matthew, John, Isaiah, or whatever, Lord, what are you saying to me? And so this morning, Jesus is saying to forgive. This morning, Jesus is saying, if somebody comes to you seven times in a day, to forgive them. Jesus is saying, it's simply our duty. If somebody says, forgive me of, we forgive them. But even if they don't, we're being held hostage. We're kept in prison by our own anger, bitterness, resentment, and all this other stuff that goes with it because of what somebody else said or did. And we have to release them and set them free from the guilt. It's not them that's causing it. It's us. And so when Jesus comes along and says to forgive them, we're either going to obey Him or not. It's not going above and beyond the call to duty. It's simply saying, yes, Lord, I will obey you and do what you want me to do. Are we doing that today? Will we be obedient to God today? And whether it's this subject right here, this material right here, these verses right here, or is it something else? Whatever it is that God is commanding us and telling us we need to do, are we going to do it? Will we do that today? Are we saying, no, mm-mm. Not today. Maybe tomorrow, next week, I'm not sure, but not today, God. Not today. Or are we saying, yes, Lord. We're going to have an invitation. It's going to be a time when we examine where we are in our life with Christ. And we're saying, yes, Lord, I want what you want. I agree with you. I want to turn from sin and turn to you and receive you as my Lord, my Master, my Savior. Oh, Lord, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but yes, there is something in my life, that, in my heart, that got there years ago maybe, and it's still there today. And Lord, I repent of it. And I forgive the guilt of the other person and set them free so I can look at my own life and say, I'm angry because of me and not them.